Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. So with a heavy heart this week on the podcast that uh, I discuss uh, the life of Justin Towns Earl. Um, was a personal friend of mine growing up uh, in Fairview, Tennessee. Went to school with him. Was in his very first garage band alongside Wesley Walker. Um, we played music and um, Wesley and I were interested in mainly doing covers as we were 13 and 14. And Justin um, was a very deep soul had already written songs uh, father steve earl uh, influenced i'm sure but um, a prolific songwriter uh, very cool guy wesley and i thought he was really awesome because he had blue hair and he had a shirt that said clapton is god and uh, all that good stuff that uh, 90s kids would think was awesome so I chatted a little bit with the uh, king of Nashville music, in my opinion, the great phenomenal Webb Wilder, the last of the full-grown men who knew him as well. We kind of reminisced about his life and tried to pay a small tribute to him, uh, recently passing away at 38 years old. And that's first here on the Uncharted Podcast. Um, of all the, the stuff I saw with Justin Earl, well, they call him Justin Towns Earl, obviously, but I've always known him as Justin. You right. uh, you actually took the time to write something very meaningful, and, uh, you know, I just thought I, I'd just like to speak to you a little bit about it because, you know, it's, he he's uh, one of my actual friends. I haven't seen him in a long time, obviously, but it, it, I just it couldn't believe it when I got the news that, that he had passed. You know, he's only a few months older than me, so it's just kind of I don't really know how to deal with it just yet, to be honest with you. I know. Um, well, yeah. You know, I uh, this whole thing of growing up and growing old and watching the world change, just as simple as that is, is very overwhelming to me. Because I, you know, what did John Lennon say? Uh, life is what happens to you while you're making plans. You know, so yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, time just really, the older you get, it really flies by. So, when, you know, I first came to Nashville as a college student at Peabody College for two semesters in 74, okay? Then I left, went back to Mississippi, went to Austin, went back, which was amazing, went back to Mississippi, and then came to Nashville in 82, and I've been here ever since. Well, you know, one, on the scene, you know, I, the only people I really knew were uh, just a handful of people, one of whom was Tim Crackle, and uh I loved his band, you know, Tim Crackle and the Sluggers, and that bass player has been my bass player for many years. Tim's gone, too. So, you know, I think that's probably how I met Steve and Carol, Justin's parents. They were out on the scene going to the Bluebird. Uh, it's funny, the Bluebird's like this quiet singer-songwriter place. Tim Crackle and the Sluggers used to rock out there. I mean, we did, too, you know. Yeah. But uh, So I got to know Steve and Carol just a little bit, you know, and then, of course, I cut Steve's song, you know, and we were always sort of... Uh, professionally friendly toward each other you know i mean i never really hung out with him a lot but i mean you know naturally i would see him a lot and we were always friendly and so i didn't know justin when he was a kid you know when he was a little kid and uh, i never after they split i didn't i don't think i saw carol ever again maybe you know Mm -hmm. uh but then as justin got older you know i started to run into him you know Uh, i was living in hillsborough village and i would see him at fido and stuff and he was the right age to have witnessed 
my heyday, I guess, and know who I was. And he was always just really friendly and appreciative of me. And um, and then I started to hear his music, you know, and I went like, he's really standing in his own light, you know. I mean, there's probably a genetic or environmental predisposition to being someone like, this, you know, a singer-songwriter, but his his thing is not like Steve's. It's its own thing. And it's yeah. good, he's good at it, and then he kept being good at it. But I could really tell he was troubled, you know, and uh, and he kind of had every right to be, you know. I mean, he came from a, a dysfunctional past and family, and um, and I kept running into him over the years. And I'd run into him on the road, and, uh, you know, then I saw him in recent years at the um, 30A Songwriter Festival in Florida, and he was just glad to see me and just like he always was really nice and hugged me and everything and uh he was excited because he was about to make an album with with my pals you know uh joe mcmahon who used to be in my band and we did an album together and uh one of my best friends and uh, adam bednarik who was in one of my films and uh john radford who had done some gigs with me so he's very excited he's going to do this album so they did the album. it's great it was the last album they did and might be the best one you know and uh they did the tour and uh, and I was kind of keeping up with it through Joe, and then Kelly Looney, who had played in my band and Steve's, died. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a drag, and that was less than a year ago, and uh, I didn't realize that through Kelly's being in Steve's band, he was around Justin a lot when uh, Justin really was a kid, and that apparently had been really kind of a uncle to him, you know, had really done a lot of good things for him. So they had this big night, as you may know, for Kelly at the Basement East the night before Thanksgiving. And of course, uh-huh, now yeah. the Basement East is blown away by the tornado. Yeah. And uh, it's unbelievable. And um, so John Jackson and Steve really wanted me to be there, which was very sweet. And they were organizing this thing. And uh, I had this gig downtown that was sort of an unusual thing. And as it turned, and I said, I'm, I'm going to get there as quick as I can, man. And uh. As it turned out, they moved my time earlier that night as if fate intervened, and I got there in time to visit with everybody in the dressing room, and Steve, nobody had played yet, mm-hmm. or maybe a few people had. And Steve said, you want to do Devil's Right Hand? And I said, sure. And and I did, and anyway, I had just spent a lot of time visiting with Justin backstage, and he was, he was you know, he was all fired up and hyper and excited about the whole yeah, thing, sure. and super nice to me, and... And as I said on my post, it was a little bit weird because as I was leaving, he hugged me, and there was something about the way that happened that caused me to sort of almost trip. And uh, I almost fell down, and it was kind of yeah. embarrassing. Here's the old guy falling down. And uh, he just held on to me till I you know, got my footing. And so that was kind of a special memory. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, man, it's it's not an uncommon story, but it's not one you ever want to hear about someone you know. Yeah, and uh, when you were talking about him holding you up, you're both pretty tall guys, so that must have been a sight for people if they got to see it. So, Yeah, and I mean, there were some big-time people back there, too. I mean, Rob Plant was there, Emmy was there, Lucinda was there, and uh, the place was packed. It was so packed that I didn't leave the dressing room. You know, it was like, <laughs> ah, don't let me out there. It's a sea of, you know, people. Sure. And um, it's a very special night, and it was great that Steve did that for um, Kelly. And, of course, you know, golly, my heart's totally going out to Steve and Carol and everybody. Oh, God. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you knew him from way back when. and oh, yeah. It's just rough, man. I don't know. 
It, so well, had he been like isolating in his apartment or something? Well, you know, I, I hate to speculate. It's not. Uh, I, I right before uh, you had called me, I saw the news said that um, nobody had heard from him since last Thursday, and they had to knock his door down, and and uh, they, it didn't look like any foul play. So they, I mean, you know, pending an autopsy, you know, it's. I don't really know what uh, what has happened. So um, just just. You know, traumatizing. Well, it, it very likely could be an accidental overdose. I mean, that's what happened to Janis Joplin. You know. Yeah, sure. I just did. Um, it just. I had somebody call me and 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 tell me, and I just I couldn't believe it because, um, you know, I haven't got to speak to him a lot here in recent years. He's been busy. You know, life gets in the way. But just like you said, known him from our youth, and uh, he came to see. I'm from Fairview, Tennessee, back when it was just a little podunk area. <laughs> uh, you yeah. Know, and and. Um, he moved there, and uh, man, he was friends with a guy that played guitar with me named Wesley Walker. And uh, I just thought uh, uh, Justin was the coolest because a he was the first kid that came to our school. He had blue hair. I'm talking like Smurf blue, and, <laughs> and he he wore a shirt that said "Clapping is God." And I just thought he was the coolest. And then, uh, uh, you know, us being you know 13, 12, 13, 14, uh, Wesley's like, "Hey, this is this is Justin, his dad, Steve," and. I'm like, Steve Earl, and, you know, I'm trying to think. And my dad's like, yeah, Copperhead Road. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, of course. And and right. just um, Jim and Wesley's Garage, you know, we, we played one little uh, school battle of the bands. But even then, to be 14, he he we were we were interested in obviously doing covers just to get out there and jam and everybody liked us. But he was already writing songs and cutting his teeth. And you could just tell, uh, and it wasn't because of who his dad was, but you could just tell something – was going to come out of it. he was going to be something special because he would just grab a guitar and first of all he was already smoking so i just thought he was the coolest edgiest guy ever and uh, he would just sit and strum and, and and write songs on the spot and you you know you could just feel like you're just kind of witnessing greatness and then you know he blossoms and he's doing his own thing and then uh, you know you never want any of your friends to to go like that and, and there it was and you know, I'm, I'm looking through things, and, you know, you see people writing a little bit of stuff, but your story was just great, and it just meant a lot because you, to me, are the king of Nashville music, and uh, I just, oh, you know, I just, I, yeah, I've always thought of you as, uh, you know, the God amongst men, the, you know, the last of the full grown, <laughs> and just, just to see, it just, it, it just comforted me, you know, as crazy as that sounds, just to, you know, not just somebody saying, uh, you know, all oh, condolences, you actually took the time to do a story, and it just, it, it really brought a little comfort to me because I'm I'm still like in a state of shock almost and, and just feel sad. And I've been reaching out to friends I haven't spoke to in a long time and just it's just heart wrenching. I just you never you never see it coming or want it to happen. So you know, thank you for actually uh, posting. Oh yeah, man. It was yeah. Well, speaking uh, that that really does a lot for me. I I'm, I'm very flattered and appreciative, and I'm glad that it it mattered. Um, because you know, I was seeing where everybody was putting up like the picture of them with uh, Justin, and I get that, you know. And I wasn't going to do that because I'm I'm always, you know, I'm always torn between, you know, when you're a performer, you sort of have to have an ego, and you need to promote yourself, especially in the modern world. And I have mixed feelings about that, but I, I hate the idea of outside of that being self-important. And like you know, it's not about me now or anything. But but I just happened to look up at my Facebook page, and I'm not one of these people who changes my profile picture every five minutes, you know. And so, um, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, the artist page, it has a picture of that night I was telling you about, it, you know, yeah. of me and Steve on stage. And I was like, wow, that's kind of eerie because that's the last time I saw Justin. Yeah. And so that that kind of just was it was a natural thing that I said, well, maybe I really ought to say something. And, and you know, Devil's Right Hand has been a huge thing for me. You know, there's a handful of songs that uh, have, have been with me since my first album that stay there, and people love them, and with good cause, that's a great song. That's Steve's song, and I don't know. Um, yeah, And but Justin was clearly uh, had demons and issues, and I, I just hate that he couldn't have forced them you know, I don't know that anybody can ever get them completely back in the box, but I wish he'd gotten them a little, you know, further back to the back of the cave yeah. and kept them at bay. You know, that movie, It's a Wonderful Life, is kind of like that. Have you ever seen that with uh, Russell Crowe? Yeah. Not yeah, It's yeah. a Wonderful, I'm sorry, not It's a Wonderful uh, Life, yeah, Beautiful it's Mind. Beautiful Mind, yeah, I was like, I was like, I was thinking, uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe, yeah, hey, the bells are ringing, you know. <laughs> no, but yeah, Jimmy Stewart, it's a wonderful life. No, but anyway, you know, he's got like, what, schizophrenia or some horrible thing, and, and he has these demons, and he just learns to walk with them. And they, yeah. you know, they personify him in the movie, and they're like nipping at his heels, and he just learns to just keep walking. Yeah, And, and, uh, and that's a tough thing to do, and not everybody can do it. And And some yeah. of those demons are taller than others, you know. And it's funny you bring that up because I was just reading um, uh, Brian Wilson, uh, the Beach Boys, claims he's got the same problem. People just, um, you know, follow him around and talk to him inside of his brain. Yeah. So, but uh, wow. yeah, it's uh, I, I I can't relate to it because the only thing that happens in my brain is like, uh, you know, clotted thoughts of yesteryear and, <laughs> you know, hey, where did I put my shoes and my car keys or something like that? But, you know, certainly. But anyway, um, I appreciate your time and, and, and thank the world of you, and uh, can't wait to see you perform again uh, when the world opens back up. Uh, the last show you played in my area was at Puckett's in Columbia, and of course I had to work, but I will be at the next one. Well, thank you. Those those Puckett's in Columbia shows never really did that well for us, but uh, oh, really? I'd, I'd go back in a heartbeat. I'd love to. The ones the ones in Franklin did, the Puckett's in Franklin would, but... Uh... It just seemed like me, we would do them as a duo, me and my bass player. It seemed like we would show up and there would be a big crowd there in the late afternoon, early evening for dinner who had no idea anybody was playing there. And uh, oh, really? they would leave and we would be stuck with an empty room sort of, you know. Well, I had a buddy. I work um, I work weekends at the local uh, Planet Fitness, the gym. And I had a buddy yeah. come rub it, rub it in my face. He took a picture with me and I said, oh, you know, <laughs> next time I, I will be there. But, yeah, I, I understand. Columbia. You know, and I love this little town. I've been here almost a decade, but well, it, it's, it's on the rise too, as you know. Yeah, it is, but it, it is still hit or miss. Like we, they tried to have a big, awesome music festival here a few years ago, and it just, you know, people just didn't get behind it. But may, maybe with the new uh, infiltration of, of humanoids, we'll uh, we'll get with the program <laughs> here. So, well, maybe so, Josh. Look, I'll let you go, but I want to tell you right before you called, I saw Chris Scruggs post, you know, about yeah. Justin. It's on Instagram. It's it's pretty interesting. Cool speaking and getting to know Armand J on the podcast this week. Armand is the guitarist for Dashboard Confessional, but also he is a solo artist and he writes really cool, catchy songs. We discussed his new track called Half Life, the fact that he lives in Franklin, Tennessee, which happens to be my hometown, and a bunch of other cool stuff. And that's uh, coming up next. I hope you enjoy it. 
Okay, well, let me uh, first of all, let, let me say um, this song has a deep meaning, Half-Life, the one that was brought to my attention, but it's catchy, man. That, that little guitar riff, dude, I love that. <laughs> oh, I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's a, it was fun to do. Yeah, it just it sounds so great because like there's it's deep lyrics and then it's like but you're you're happy with it too because that little guitar part I'm like man that is just <laughs> that's going on and you and uh, I just really really enjoyed it and you know what what really I wanted to talk to you about is that it just it kind of amazed me because you don't think of like successful rock stars you know being comfortable about depression like what what made you want to open up in such like a you know, kind of like a bold and intimate way with with listeners or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, you know, it it isn't easy. Like like you said, you know, it, it's not always comfortable. You know, um, uh, but also like I didn't like set out and like make a plan. You know, as far as like you know what the what the lyrics were going to be as a whole and what the big picture was going to look. It just kind of happened. You know, um, yeah. so. Uh, it was more so. It was more of a thing where, like, afterwards, I was like, "Oh, yeah, I was pretty. I was a little. I would be uh, <laughs> more vulnerable than than I expected, you know, to to be. You know, I always want to be as authentic as I can, of course. But um, you know, after you know, getting done, you know, with the record and looking at everything as a whole, I was like, "Oh, this is a little. Yeah, this is maybe a little more uh, truthful than I <laughs> planned to be. But um, you know, I." I, I rolled with it, and you know that's kind of you know it, the record definitely started to take shape as you know as as it you know as as it began to um, get towards the finish line and 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 look at all the songs together. But you know I definitely didn't like I didn't honestly I guess what I'm trying to say is I didn't really think too much about it. I just it just kind of happened. So yeah. whether that's a great thing a good thing or not, <laughs> you know, yeah. I didn't really you know think too much about it. I just tried to create something that was therapeutic for me and then that's kind of what happened that's what came out so yeah because the you know the title the, the dark side of of happiness it, it, it describes it perfectly because it's like it makes you comfortable oh i'm with, losing you buddy i was just saying the dark side of happiness that's, that's just appropriately titled because it makes you comfortable with you know this this side of you that people you know are almost afraid to share hey man yeah, I'm so I'm so sorry. I I lost you. Oh no problem. Can you hear me now? Yeah 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 yeah. Okay, you might want to go back about after I got done talking. Yeah, I lost everything. Else. Oh, <laughs> but cool. I can hear you now. Yeah. We'll just finish in editing. What I was saying is that the title, "The Dark Side of Happiness," is is appropriate because um this all this music that you've got it makes you comfortable with you know uh discussing depression and anxiety and things that most people are, are afraid to talk about. Well, that's cool to hear. I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you're interpreting that, you know, it that way. And, you know, I, I think, yeah, it was interesting to try to, you know, I just, this did kind of, whether it was as conscious as I would hope or not, it, it, it did become a thing where, you know, these lyrics are heavy, but, I didn't want the music to be like dark, you know, like I, I never, <laughs> I'm not good at writing. Like, I don't even know what, you know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't even know where to start. Like, as far as like writing, like, I, I mean, yeah, I, you know, of course I can go down that road, but when it comes to my music, there's, you know, that's not a thing like dark and eerie and stuff like that. So um, I tried to find like that middle, you know, that, that, that yeah. place where, 
maybe it's a pensive kind of feeling. It's almost like that. Maybe uh, nostalgic isn't the word, but there's like that. Um, well, the instrumental on the record. Uh, I, I'm hope I hope I still say it right, but uh, Sayud Sayudade, I think. Uh-huh. I mean that basically means like it's a long like a longing for something that maybe was there in the past or or even something that hasn't happened yet, but it's kind of like that hard to describe kind of feeling, you know? Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. So I tried to create that musically as well, kind of. Yeah, because we're all, you know, in all walks of life, we're, it, you know, I don't know if it's human nature or what, but we're constantly searching for something. Just something like, it's almost like what gives us purpose. Like we're always chasing, you know, if we've got something, we want this. Or, you know, if we're going exactly. this way, we want to go that way. And exactly. as you were talking, and as you were talking, I was thinking you were probably thinking like you didn't want to sound emo, which is you don't. You don't sound emo. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, at, at the end of the day, like I'm, you know, uh, uh, I was talking with uh, someone else about it, and I guess there's a bit of a thing, you know, kind of like emo folk that's kind yeah. of a becoming a thing now. And if I fall into that category, I'm, I'd be glad to. So it's all good for sure. Yeah, it might be a mix of it, but it's not just the straight, like, you know, downtrodden. It's it's upbeat. Um, <laughs> right. But uh, I, I was reading, do you, uh, it took you, you spent every day for two months recording this album, basically, and played all the instruments? Yeah, I played everything except strings, except all the strings are um, a guy named Jeremy Larson. So it was fun. I sent it back and forth. We sent, you know, I would send him the songs and he would send me all the tracks and he has a studio and. And he, he he's pro and he does he does that for he played on a lot of records so um, a friend of mine connected me with him so that's like the only um, and and another friend uh, Abby Gunderson she's a amazing phenomenal like uh, piano player songwriter she plays violin as well but um, she's uh, her brother is Noah Gunderson a friend of mine but so I, we used to tour together. Um, so she played violin on uh, a track called Stay Grounded. And that was, so that was the only person that was like actually in the studio really um, that that made it on the record. So yeah, I definitely spent a lot of time on my own, but you know, I, looking looking at it now, it kind of made sense as far as the lyrics go and kind of getting heavy. You would have been probably a, a little harder uh, to sing those songs and to kind of get into the vibe around anyone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Well, did did you spend as much time on this project? Did you do this during COVID to keep yourself occupied, or was this this prior to the world turning upside down? Yeah, right. Uh, you you, <laughs> you won't believe you won't believe it though. I did this record in 2018. Really? Yeah, it was. It's a. It's crazy. It just it you know uh, dashboard had a really busy year. Um, 2019, and we this year was going to be even busier probably, but. Sure. Uh, so I was trying to trying to find the right window um, to release it and to be able to um, really focus on it. And the time wasn't there yet until until now <laughs> yeah, <laughs> during a pandemic. Sure. So <laughs> so uh, yeah, I did it in two, at the end of 2018. I did it. At, uh, I did it in December of 18. I well, think. that's yeah. a, that's impressive because you know I'm sitting here thinking that's a long haul even during this pandemic, but doing it. You know, with the touring schedule like you have with Dashboard and everything, that's like, wow, my hat's off to you. That's like... I uh, no appreciate ever. it. You must be a yeah, I'm, the, <laughs> I'm not too crazy about sleeping anyway. 
it takes me a lot. It takes a lot for me to wind down and there's the whole process, man. But I've, I've, I've been healthy about it, you know. Well, I guess you could call it healthy, but, you know, 2 a.m. to 10 to 9 is kind of my deal right now. But, uh, you know, I um, – I you know I, I found fun. I'm I'm not a fan of uh, sitting around. Like I'm I'm just not good at. I actually really was. I re, I mean I really wish I was, but I'm not I'm not good at just like hanging out. And it sucks. Sometimes I want to, but like you can ask anybody. I just can't sit still for like more than 20 minutes unless I'm doing something with music and sitting at my studio desk. I can sit here until my back hurts. Yeah. You know so. Yeah. And it was kind of easy. It was fun. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was easy to to commit to it because it. Yeah, yeah. No, it, I got it was what you're Yeah, I'm with you. I, we're we're kindred spirits when it comes to that. Like, like I love music so much. So if I'm if I'm playing it myself or I'm podcasting about it, I've got all the time in the world. But after after that, <laughs> I've got to I've got to get up and go. It's time to do something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, man. So, That's awesome. Um, yeah, uh, you uh, so you live in Franklin, Tennessee. I do. Yeah, my wife and I live, yeah, right outside yeah. of Nashville in Franklin. No, I was born there. That's when I saw that. I was like, hey, how cool is that? Oh, because, no. Uh, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm an, I'm a native. I, uh, you know, I'm like one of the, I don't even live there. I mean, I live in Columbia, Tennessee now, which is outside of Spring Hill. But, yeah, Franklin's my, uh, you know, uh, childhood through high school. <laughs> oh, dude, that's awesome. So you're not, well, you're still not far from us right now. That's awesome. Yeah. I, knew, I knew it was a Tennessee number. Yeah, I um, I live in Columbia, just right outside of uh, like yeah. Spring Hill, so probably a good thirty-five to forty. I come up there. I try to hear lately. The only live music that we can really enjoy is like Kimbrough's Picking Parlor. So if they right. ever a lot people to go in, I kind of go over there and hang out a bit. That's cool. Um, I like Columbia. It's like a cool little town. It is, man. It's, it's like growing from... like crazy. People are like uh, they've they've packed Spring Hill so full that they're starting to right. come out here. <laughs> it's it's extending, yeah. There's a cool bike shop there in Columbia, isn't there? Yeah, it's owned by Mike Wolf of American Pickers. Yes, that's right. No, oh, no, I'm talking about like a bike. It's a bicycle shop though, like a repair yeah. shop. Yeah, he owns it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, and he he owns the. Um, the uh the mechanic shop right behind it like if you ever are watching american pickers and like they bring like a really antique car somewhere they're bringing it to columbia down here dude that's nuts yeah like when they had the they had the aerosmith original touring van and when they had it in the shop i called uh, mike medford who who he's also on the show i was like is that van down there and he's like yes i was like all right i'll be over there in a little while to see it (laughs) (laughs) that's trick that's so cool yeah, that's awesome. He's like, "Hey, this right here is where Steve, Steven Tyler slept." I was like, "Wow, that's bizarre." But um, yeah, man, that's cool. You're in, <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. You're in Franklin. Um, if you ever want to know a string guy, I have a fantastic uh, friend named James Shibley. He plays strings. Uh, he, uh, if you ever need some accompaniment, if you're playing locally, uh, I'll hook you guys up if you'd like. He's uh, he's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. I appreciate it, man. For sure. He, yeah, he does cello. Um, and it's well, good to connect. Yeah, absolutely. He plays cello. I'll get you guys together. Uh, he's he's a super awesome guy. He's a photographer. He's an all-around awesome human. He's he's so brilliant. But he does like cello video, videos on Instagram, and he'll play like he'll company with himself. And I'm like, dude, you're the next yo. You're American Yo-Yo Ma. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's awesome about Franklin and Nashville, man. There's just so much talent. Like it's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah, everywhere. Like, uh, yeah, I was um. 
I was in the gym the other day, our local Planet Fitness, and Win Varble was in there, and he's written like a dozen number one country hits. Like you never know who you're gonna bump into. That's for sure. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, with that being said, my friend, one more question, and I'll let you get back after it. What? Uh. So, are you going to tour in support of this, or are you are you going with dashboard, or are you just waiting in limbo? Are you going to be online? What are you What are you going to do here next? What's your next venture? Yeah. Um. You know, I'm definitely going to tour the record. Um. And you know, dashboard will kick it in gear again. You know, it's just kind of. I think everyone, literally everyone, is waiting to see. Yeah. You know what happens but at the same time it's like it's all about being safe and you know not i i, I just want to i you know it's kind of all about for me it's all about kind of like trying to follow the rules so we can get get like actually get back to work so you know if that it'll take some time but you know that's definitely it'll it'll come back you know i, I th- it'll it might always look different from now you know but um eventually you know we'll come back but at the same time, this whole like live stream show thing is 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 you know more interesting than it ever has been. You know, so I'll be pursuing that and exploring that for sure. Once you know the record is out, and probably have something at my sleeve to do something like that—a live stream show. Yeah, that's what I mean. I, I definitely like to see that. I'd like to see these played live in in any format. Uh, like I said, I, I'm I'm down with live stream. That's better than nothing, you know. Um, and, and like Dude, said, for sure. Yeah, people are definitely yeah. finding clever ways to do it. So. Yeah, and to be honest with you, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm 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 not I'm just not that fun sometimes. I'd rather maybe watch a show online than go to a show. Actually, yeah, but. yeah, I have. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Yeah, I watched an EP release not too long ago on YouTube, and and I told him, I was like, you can't hear me, but I'm clapping. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I'm like, dude, I don't have to worry about, like, you know, standing for 10 hours and being all like, you know, I I, I start complaining really quick. I'm I'm only 34, but I can turn, like, 81 really quick going out in public and going to a, a crowded area. I just get, you know, bummed in the parking. My wife everything she just gets on me she's like dude you sound like you're like already retired <laughs> yeah you sound I like you you're like <laughs> yeah i was um I, i'm i'm 37 i'll be 38 soon and i was at a august burns red concert in uh, oh, nice. at, at marathon music works same thing happened yeah. I'm, like, I'm like okay i'm a big guy and they don't really see my age in this dark i hope when they start moshing they're like oh i'm gonna start hitting this one <laughs> yeah dude I can't do that. No way. Yeah. I just want to. I, was like, awesome. I just want to listen. Yet, just let me listen to the music. You guys do what you got to do. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No. Had the privilege of speaking with Aubrey Sellers. I had a new EP release recently called "World on Fire." It's got phenomenal tracks on it. And some really cool covers. She's a really sweet person to talk to. Really enjoyed her. In my opinion, she's got one of the great voices of country music, and uh, Godspeed with her because I think uh, she's going to be the songstress of this generation if she keeps up all of her awesome work. Uh, it was uh, it was a fun chat, and I hope you enjoyed it as well. It's coming up next on the Uncharted Podcast. Okay, Aubrey. So let me just start out with saying I watched your EP release for World on Fire. Me and my dog Leo. You even said hi to Leo, and we thoroughly enjoyed it. You did a fantastic job. Thank you so much. Thanks for watching. Yeah. Oh, indeed. You've you've got a great soothing voice. Like you ought to do lullabies. I'm sure somebody told you you should do lullabies. 
<laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, um, just just uh, fantastic. I, I love to hear you singing. It's so natural. Like I love to watch the people that can sing that don't have to strain, and I, and you have definitely got that. Just fantastic. Thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so um, these songs you picked for this EP, I saw that uh, you've gathered a couple of covers, and they're they're, they're like uh, pristine uh, songs, like your Chris Isaacs and your Dwight Yoakams and all that. Uh, how did you pick these for your arsenal? Yeah. Um, I mean, they're just three of my favorite songs, especially Wicked Game and, and the Dwight and Strong Thousand Miles from Nowhere are songs that I've been listening to forever. And, you know, especially Wicked Game is a song that's been covered by a lot of artists, but uh, it's just something that I love and, and feel like has been really inspiring to me as an artist. So we wanted to put our own spin on it. And I went in the studio and produced these with uh, my boyfriend, Ethan Ballinger, and we were going through a kind of a tough time in our lives and we just wanted to go in and, and record something fun, you know, and, and remember the joy of making music for, and, and not having any idea of what we're going to do with it. And, and so that's kind of what happened when we went in to record them. And then uh, it felt like a really good time to put them out since we can't be out playing music. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. You've got to be itching to play music again. I mean, you know, the best we can do is just watch each other on YouTube and stuff. Exactly. You know, we had fun doing that show. I'm actually pretty introverted, so I was like, man, you know, honestly, playing from home isn't that bad as long as I know people can kind of join in and, and listen because, you know, we were just talking about how we make music really just to connect with other people. I mean, we love to make music, but I think as a musician, you – hope that other people will hear it and, and it will you know connect with something in their lives so as long as we're connecting that's okay yeah i i posted there in the messages i was like i know you can't hear me but i'm clapping <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yes i remember that <laughs> yeah i uh i have a pal he does um the uh, conference zooms i guess he's a stand-up comedian here in nashville Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, that's based on laughs. So, like, how does it feel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, get up there and start talking. You don't know what's going on on the other end. <laughs> I know. I didn't talk very much in my show either because I felt like, you know, I'm just going to play the songs because I don't even, this is so weird to not be able to look at anyone and see how they're reacting. <laughs> yeah, you don't have a pause. It's just let's go right to the other one. But, yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it was very great. I liked it. And then I liked the little, like, the uh, it was like a, like a production in there too, not just the concert, but like the the flashing in and out and the countdown and all that. That was really cool. Thank you. Yeah, and we uh, Ethan did a really good job of setting up the audio and stuff, so we tried to make it sound good. And I bought some lights on Amazon and I made a little backdrop, and you know I tried to make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, there was a little bit of color behind the couch. It was yeah, it was good. It was groovy. <laughs> um, it's it was a great it was a great jam session. Like I said, uh, um, it, uh, yeah, you did well. Um, but you you've actually I saw you once before in concert. You toured with some of my friends for a bit, uh, the Cadillac Three. Oh yeah. Yeah, um, they and I thought you rocked the socks off that place. You guys came to Nashville. I can't think of a couple of years ago, but that's that's how I learned about you. And then, you know, got this email about your new stuff. And I was like, oh boy, you think she'd want to talk to me? And they're like, yeah, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, we got this little podcast, but. I was reading on you, and I liked something that you said. You said, I feel like film in a digital world. Now, I would love to, to understand that quote. Could you tell me what you meant when you put that out? Yeah, I mean, you know, the music business and everything has changed so much. But I'm somebody who grew up listening to, you know, records that I loved the entire record, you know, and wanted to sit down and listen to the whole record. And I think of, like, Raging Sand by Robert Plant and Alison Krauss and, you know, uh, Van Lear Rose which was Loretta Lynn produced by Jack White and, and songs uh-huh. that really have like a cohesive feeling to them. And, 
and you know my songs are all really intimate and personal even if they're you know more rock driven they all come from a personal place and an emotional place and so I just feel like I tend to make my records more raw. I don't like to slick them up or make them sound super pop, you know, and, and, uh, and I, so I think for a lot of those reasons, I'm a little bit different than a lot of what's going on. And, and I think a lot of people are kind of releasing singles for years now. And, and, you know, and, uh, you know, I talk about all this and who knows, this is probably what I'll end up doing on my next record, (laughs) but, (laughs) but, you know, it's like, I really enjoy people. I enjoy sitting down and listening to, a whole cohesive piece of music and, and a record in that way. And so I think that's a little bit becoming a little bit old fashioned now because attention spans are becoming so short. So I think that's yeah. what I meant when I said that. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely correct. You said you nailed it with attention spans, but yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, uh, you know, I, I like records where you can, and it seems like the records like you're talking about where they're good all the way through. It's almost like the artist has the leeway, and there's no record label or producer like ramming songs down their throat. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Well, that's the thing too is that you know it's so interesting now because you know you can put out music without a label, and you can still reach people. You know, um, it's it's a little bit different country as opposed to other genres, but it's really cool because I definitely have the experience of being on a major label, and and uh, it's a, just a different deal, you know. And I'm I'm definitely an artist who has to have creative control over what I'm doing just because if I do anything else, I just don't feel good doing it. You know, I just want to make the music that, that I like and, and this music that feels true to me. Yeah, absolutely. Cause if not, you get stuck with it. Like, you know, you can get stuck with a song that you may not enjoy and, and people latch on to and you're like, Oh my gosh, when is this three and a half minutes going to be over? Let me just <laughs> shove this out here and be done with it. But, yeah. um, and you call it Garage Country, which is, I, I like that. What, what, this is your creation. How, how did you come up with this title? I've never heard that before. Uh, yeah. Um, well, you know, I, when I, I have a lot of different influences from rock to traditional country to like the Steve Earl Dwight Yoakam era of country to, you know, bluegrass. I'm a huge bluegrass fan. Right um, on. And all these different genres and a lot of blues music too. And when it came time to make music, you know, uh, that, I think all those influences kind of came together and created this new sound. And rather than call it country or Americana or try to fit it into a genre that already exists, I think I just said if it's different sounding, then it deserves its own name. So I just <laughs> started calling it garage country because I felt like that was an easier way for people to kind of, you know, identify it and think, okay, it's kind of got that grungy rock sound, but it's, you know, obviously based in, in country. That's it. Yeah, it's, it's, it it provides a little bit for everybody. Like like, but the voice is there, and you've got a voice. I think could fit in any genre. So that that's good because you could you know you can cross over. You can stay in country. You can go to rock. You could do a little grunge. Whatever. I mean, you got that gift. That's great. Thank you. <laughs> Speaking of old Steve Earle, uh, his son Justin. I was in his first garage band. Uh, when he no way. His, yeah, uh, we lived in Fairview, Tennessee. I don't know if you've ever been there. You blink and it's over. Yeah. But, <laughs> Justin went to school with us for a few years, and we we uh, did a little bit of garage. And I thought he was the coolest guy because his parents let him dye his hair blue uh, when we were uh, we were like I was in we were in eighth grade, and he was in ninth, and I was like, how cool is that? He has blue hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what an edgy guy. Um, <laughs> I uh, I saw where you were, you know, you have been hailed as the number one country artist to watch in 2020. How do you feel about that? Is that pressure on you or? or are you a person that can handle that kind of heat? Because that's a big, bold statement. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. It's, it's. I mean, I appreciate it. Obviously, I feel like, um, 
I try not to take, you know, I feel like if you don't listen to the bad reviews, you can't listen to the good reviews, <laughs> you know. It's yeah, like yeah, sure. You can't, you can't let it influence what you're doing too much, even though it feels great, and I always appreciate everyone's support, so that part of it's amazing. But I try to, you know, um, just focus on the music I'm making and, and not let that stuff influence you because I think it can really enter your head and you think, oh, if these people are embracing me, maybe I need to, you know, can just subconsciously, I think, influence you. And so I, as I, I really appreciate it, but I try not to take too much stock in anything. Yeah, because that would drive you insane, because that's a big moniker there. I was like, wow, that's like the whole pie, not just a slice of it. <laughs> but, but you know, in, in these genres, unfortunately, we're, we're craving something different because it just all, and I hate to say this because I love music so much, everything now, it seems like it's almost processed, and it's just like shipped out, and like, let's make something quick and just ram it to the people i mean you know music <laughs> like yours like you chris stapleton this new guy uh coulter uh from canada i mm-hmm. think you guys are going to bring the good stuff back and that's what we all need really really bad thank you so much i mean that's yeah. the music i love so it means a lot thank you yeah um so you said introverted which is interesting considering you're you're, you know, you're on your way to mega stardom are, are you <laughs> when are you getting back out on the road or are you just uh or is there is it uh, indefinite right now it's indefinite, yeah. It's just, uh, you know, people are starting to do some different kind of shows as far as, like, drive-in shows and stuff, but it's it's all still kind of testing ground as to what's working and, and all that. And so, you know, I, there's been some talk about rescheduling the show, some of the shows that I had set for this year um, at the end of next year, so it's going to be a long time. Uh, yeah, um, so, you know, that's why we're doing the live show online, and and just uh, I'll be focused on making new music, too, over this next year or so. And, and uh, hopefully when things start picking up, I can finally tour in support of this record. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, you know, it's got to come hand in hand. And, and being a podcaster, it's uh, it's astounding to me how many times I'll I'll try to set up an interview and somehow go, okay, can we do it later? Because they've actually pushed my show back three months or four months, you know, yes. trying, to promote, yeah, trying to promote something here locally. And I'm like, yeah, I understand. It's so crazy. It's like. Will I ever get to see another concert in my life? I know. I mean, we had our we had rescheduled. I had a co-headlining tour with Lily May, and we had rescheduled that once, and then just ended up having to cancel because it just. And I see people just rescheduling over and over, and and I thought, you know, I'd like to cancel and let everybody have their money back at a time when it's challenging, and then you know, be able to kind of regroup when it actually seems like it's actually going to work. <laughs> you know. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's on pause. Yeah, it's it's the it's madness, I'll tell you. Um... Special announcement this week on the podcast. Recently on August 16th marks one year since Drake White, country singing sensation, suffered a brain bleed on stage during a show in Roanoke, Virginia. Um, he was uh, he collapsed on stage. Uh, he was hospitalized for 37 days. He did more than 700 hours of physical therapy. Um, had to learn how to walk and play guitar again and is doing phenomenal i couldn't be more proud to have got to uh, speak with him on this subject and congratulate him and uh, all the progress he's made very inspiring talking to mr white and that's uh, right around the corner here on the uncharted podcast well drake first of all uh let me just say i watched you uh, perform for the first time on my end, live anyway, uh, versus watching on YouTube and uh, your band, man, you guys are swinging, dude. I, I can't wait till uh, the world opens back up. I'm definitely going to attend a concert. 
Yeah, man, you got to. It's 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 saucy. It's fun, and, and uh, we're having a good time um, in the barn jamming. Yeah, I saw that. Well, what I like about it, uh, being a novice drummer myself, is I love when a good band comes together and it's like one working unit versus, you know, like it, when it feels organic, it doesn't feel like these are just guys that they're just going through the motions. And, and you guys yeah. captured it, and it, I just, I, I bet that's a great concert to see live, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, man. I, I'm with you. You know, I'm, uh, I've always been a band guy, and I like the, the thought of one unit working together, one train locomotive engine, you know, just kind of tracking, you know, chugging down the tracks. And that's what it feels when you when you get with a good band and you can actually hear this, you know, space move in between notes. It's uh, it gets good. It gets real good. Yeah, you guys, you guys are fantastic. Your vocals are on point. Uh, just uh, really, really impressed with it. Really enjoyed every every bit of it. So thank you for that. Um, with that being said, uh, it marked a uh, anniversary, an unfortunate event in your life uh, that happened in Roanoke, Virginia. Uh, can we can we talk a little bit about that? Maybe you can explain a little bit more better than I could just kind of elaborate on it. Yeah, man. So we we went in I, I, at the beginning of last year. I was diagnosed with this thing called an AVM, and it was an AVM is an arterial venous malformation, and it's a wad of veins and arteries that form when I was born, that, that were there when I was born. Uh-huh. Um, and it was stealing adequate blood flow from my brain. And I was in the process of getting that embolized, which is glued shut, through through a six or seven surgeries that uh, would glue that thing shut. Um, I was four deep into that, or three deep into that. And, uh, you know, the, the year had been going really good. I'd been doing it. And a uh, very, very small chance. Uh, thing happened, you know. I walked out on stage at Roanoke. It's about 98 degrees, and uh, we've been working really hard. And man, the, the the band was greased up just like you were talking about. It felt really good. And uh, we were about four songs in, Josh, and um, I felt something snap, and I heard it snap. Um, and I just felt this weight, like I was having trouble holding onto the mic microphone. I was gripping really hard, but the microphone felt like it was about to slide out of my hand. Uh-huh. My left left foot started to go numb. Left leg went completely numb. Left shoulder, and it worked up worked its way up to my kind of my ear where my ear was buzzing. Um, head went down, and I started to fall. My luckily my um, my sound guy caught me, and everybody you know in a crowd obviously was concerned and, and but it's such a blessing that I was on stage when that AVM and that what happened was that AVM ruptured causing uh-huh. a, a brain bleed in, in the back of my my head that knocked out my left side that paralyzed me on my left side good grief and um and luckily I was in the spotlight because they within 20 minutes I was being looked at and um a solvent was being administered to me that that stopped that brain bleed, which ultimately is the reason I'm standing here today and can get up on stage and just sing and write and play and do all the things that that I love to do. Um, and it was a miracle. It's a miracle from God, and I, that that is my uh, 100% belief. And it's just uh, it's a victory that we're here 
uh, a year later, and I'm glad it happened. It's a good thing that happened because it's put a lot of things in perspective. Some of the best riding in the world that I've had a uh, opportunity to be a part of is has came out of it, and we've re- recorded some of those songs. And um, but besides all that, you know, by my relationship with my my wife, my my friends, my family, uh, and just nature, uh, my God, my Maker, uh, it's been it's been incredible. Um, relearning how to walk was hard. Relearning how to play guitar, I'm still in that process and reconnecting those uh, those neuro you know neuro passageways uh-huh. that brain bleed uh, you know disabled. But in the long run, you know, fast forward a year, I'm walking, I'm driving, I'm playing, I'm singing, I'm writing, um, making, you know, the best music that I've ever made, I believe, and I'm on my way to a full recovery. So we're um, yeah. we're happy, man. Yeah, that is definitely a blessing, and, and, and uh, you know, thanks be to God for that because you are a true talent. And, you know, you, you still – you sound very articulate, you know, and you remember all them songs, and you look – you know, physically fit as far as your stature and everything. So uh, I'm just glad it, it turned out for the positive. I, I think, you know, speaking of the good Lord, he's, he's got much more to do with you. Um, and your determination's uh, so impressive. You know, read, reading your profile, you know, written 50 songs since then, not to mention doing one with the great Mac, uh, McNally. And you guys sound great together, by the way. Uh, Thanks, how, how did Once in a Lifetime become a thing? I mean, because – you know, you guys just kind of bounce off each other real well. It's quite a compliment as far as, uh, you know, a, a, a duo on a song. Yeah, well, he he's a legend, and I'm from Alabama, and uh, he's just in Muscle Shoals, Nashville, just, well, he's a world legend, but he's, he's I, I call him one of Alabama's own, even though he's from Mississippi. He, he got a place there in Muscle Shoals, and Mac is just the the epitome of, of a humble awesome musician and um i've always looked up to him and considered him a mentor and we met over in europe and uh we started you know i asked him basically to be my mentor and uh i said dude uh you know we started talking about once in a lifetime opportunities and he's talk about our articulate uh he is just He's like the Faulkner of of the you know of of the Jimmy Buffett band, Coral Reaper band. Oh yeah. And he's just amazing. And and what he said was, well, uh, every day is once in a lifetime. And because he almost he almost died of a heart attack, you know, a couple of I guess it was about a year ago now. And uh, he said every day is once in a lifetime. And I said, man, I'd love to come over to your place and coin out when he was like well come on and two days later <laughs> we were sitting there and uh he you know he's just a crazy crazy talented musician so he starts that riff and and uh i said should i go to work should i go fishing you know whatever i do it's gonna be all right and i mean it didn't take 25 30 minutes to write a song and he just he kept calling me on it and it was like, I love this tune. And I was like, well, I love it too. And he's like, I think I'm going to put it on my record. Yeah, right on. I was like, I was like wow. All right, dude. <laughs> well, I yeah, it, it is. It is, a, it is a fantastic song, lyrics and all. And, uh, you know, 
anything that that he's on, like, he puts his heart and soul into it, and you can feel the story. You can you can almost put yourself in the place, like you know, like with Down the Road and, and other stuff like that. And and this song is right up there with it. I, I just think this is one of his signature songs, and you guys did it great. Um, so uh, kudos to you on that. Um, you mentioned my favorite place in the world, Muscle Shoals, and of course, you, you know, I was thinking it makes sense you you're an Alabama boy because you've got the soul ingrained in you when it comes out of your voice and it's just something about that area it's so magical uh are have you experienced uh are you close to that area like where fame's at muscle shoals town and all that yeah i'm from hoax bluff it's a small town uh a little south of there uh-huh. but it was always a part of my you know my palate it was always like people talking about you know obviously sweet home alabama and, and that line in there about muscle shoals and then and then really going up there and, and talking about, you know, thinking, knowing who Jason Isbell and all those guys were. Yeah. Um, but not only that, knowing the history before even the Netflix deal came out about the Rolling Stones and Aretha Franklin and, and Percy Sledge and um, all that stuff. Like, we, we were we were raised with that. We knew that that was there. Uh-huh. And uh, we, we knew about Mr. Hall and, and all the stuff that was going on. And... Um, so it was just like a, there was a uh, there was a swagger to it, you know what I mean? Like you're from Alabama, and if sure. you're going to write a song and go out there and start touring on the road, you need to you need to hold the the flame up tall because it, the bar was set really really high at a very at a, you know before I was born. So if you're going to go out there and play guitar and write songs, you better not just you know halfway swing at it. You better knock it out of the park. That's right. Amen, man. I'm with you. Uh, well put. Well, um, you know, I, I want to take up so much of your time. First of all, you know, uh, I'm glad you still made it to now, and, and you know, there's plenty more music ahead of you. Uh, just one more question, and uh, I'll let you get at it. Uh, what advice would you give to a person uh, feeling hopeless in these times right now? Because obviously you've, you've been through it all and came out on the other side, like with the COVID, not being able to go out, or somebody that's you know, just downtrodden. What would a guy, you know, an inspirational person such as yourself say to somebody like that? Yeah. It's one day at a time. I mean, keep moving forward. Keep doing stuff that inspires you. Find a passion. Find a deal. Um, something that you want to wake up to, you know, every morning and go pursue and go after. But ultimately, we can't control any of this stuff that, you know, take a good uh Look at what you can control, and if you can't control it, and that's what you're worried about, you know, I mean, you can't uh, just stop, mm-hmm. just stop doing it, and and focus on what you can control. And for me, my faith, you know, and being, being, and knowing that it's all planned out before us, and believing that, you know, I choose to believe that. That's what I, that's what I believe. I believe that we're made by an all-knowing, all-powerful God, and, and that that He's got a plan out in front of us and and that's we're just living in it and it's this world is not where i'm i belong anyway i was built for you know i was built for the glory and it's like if i if you take that position you know no matter what you believe uh well i mean that's what i believe but no matter what i would i would challenge people to quit taking themselves so serious and thinking that they can harness the weight of all these huge 
worldly. Turn the news off, for one thing. Turn it yeah. completely off. Yeah. Just sink into something that's got a little bit more, you know, strength that's built on the rock. You know, and that is, for me, that is, that's Jesus. And that is, that's being, you know, being present in the day and controlling what you can control and throwing the what you can't control in the river, man. That's it. Just let it go. I hear you. Well, hey, man, uh, it's been an honor speaking with you. Uh, I'm a big fan. I'm inspired by you. And so far, I've been one-on-one on my predictions. I told Darius Rucker he's going to get a Grammy one time, and by gosh, you got one. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I, I predict vocalist of the year here for too long. You just remember Josh from this little podcast said that I just have it in my bones. I think they're going to hand it to you here, here sooner than later. I like it, man. I like that manifestation thing. I believe it. And that wraps up another fantastic edition of the Josh Belcher Uncharted Podcast. Very special thanks to all my awesome guests this week. I appreciate all of you taking the time to listen. Without you, there's no point in doing this podcast, so I'm really grateful, and I really appreciate you taking the time. I want you to have a great week, and remember, I love you for you and where you're at in life. And uh, also, this is the last uh, week to vote for the podcast on Nashville Scene as the best podcast in Nashville. Uh, go to NashvilleScene.com and uh, do that if you so please. Uh, and anyway, thank you for everything, and uh, we will catch you next week. All right, be safe, and uh, see you next time. All right, bye.